I'm reading from Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 to 22. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. As Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. It is the beginning of a a new year, and uh, we've uh, we've said that this is our text uh, for the year. And uh, at the beginning of the year, it's good to to start a a new series. And uh, we have a, a new series for the new year. And uh, I'm calling this series of, uh, of, uh, of sermons, uh, Dysfunctional, Dysfunctional Disciples. Dysfunctional Disciples. And uh, just so you know where we're going uh, over the next few Sunday mornings, we're going to be looking at dissatisfied disciples, despairing disciples, uh, disorientated disciples, disgruntled disciples, and dismissive disciples. But it is going to be an encouraging series, I hope. Um, and I, I share you where, where, I've, where I've got this idea from. I've been reading a book by uh, Chris Kandai from the uh, Evangelical Alliance. And, uh, and he says this uh, near the beginning of his book, I have coined the phrase disciples to describe those of us who feel dysfunctional in our following of Jesus. But the good news is that dysfunctional discipleship is nothing new and nothing to be ashamed of. The very first disciples could have been diagnosed as dysfunctional too. They were constantly getting even the most basic things totally wrong. So folks, when I refer to you as dysfunctional disciples, uh, don't be insulted. Uh, Don't take it to heart, because I'm including myself in that description of disciples who are dysfunctional. If something is dysfunctional, uh, it means that it's not really working as it should be. It means that there is something wrong. 
And uh, during this uh, series of sermons, looking at what it means to be a disciple, looking at what it means to, to love the Lord with all your heart and acknowledge him in all your ways, that's what discipleship is about. I'm going to be looking at some of the things that go wrong in discipleship and perhaps offering some ideas how we can put them right and so that we end up on those straight paths that our verse also talks about for the new year. So I hope you'll join with me in this uh, in this series about dysfunctional disciples and who knows you might see yourself in one of these uh, series of sermons. You might feel that you are uh, despairing or dysfunctional or disappointed or whatever. Uh, this is the first part. Uh, I'm going to do this series actually in two parts. This will take us up to uh, kind of... Uh, the, the beginning of February, then we're going to have a bit of a break because we're going to be doing a, a series for Lent. And then we're going to come back and do the second part of this thing about discipleship after after Easter. So it'll be a two-part series. So how exciting is that uh, for you to, to follow? So then, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's kick off. And we're thinking about dissatisfied disciples to begin with. We're thinking about dissatisfied disciples. And uh, I want to ask you, you know, are you satisfied in your discipleship? Are you satisfied in, in where you are and what's happening in your life as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus? Uh, if I'm honest, um, I've got to say that I'm dissatisfied uh, with myself and my discipleship. You know, when I first became a Christian, uh, some 30 years ago now... Um, when I first gave my life to God, I was so excited about the fact that I'd found Jesus, that I just wanted to tell everybody. I, I thought I'd found the answer to all life's problems, and you just couldn't shut me up. I was so enthusiastic about Jesus. And uh, I wonder now, 30 years later, whether I've lost some of that uh, kind of real urgency to share the gospel with people. I went to Bible college, and I, and I trained to be uh, a Baptist minister. And, uh, you know, I imagined, like most of the people that were training at the Bible College, that, you know, uh, that I was going to be the next Billy Graham. Uh, that, you know, when I went to a church, there'd be people queuing to get in, uh, to hear this marvellous, wonderful preacher. And uh, some sort of uh, 18 years down the line, I found out that church isn't like that. And uh, maybe you're dissatisfied with church. Um, Maybe you're dissatisfied, you know, with uh, with with uh, people in the church that you feel that they're that you're you're surrounded by by people that aren't particularly excited um, about following Jesus, and uh, there is a, a dissatisfaction that we have. Maybe you're even dissatisfied with God. Maybe you, you feel dissatisfaction in that, you know, you read stuff in the Gospels and, 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 and you thought that you were going to go out and experience similar things and maybe you've not experienced those things in your life, in the life of church and you're left with this feeling of dissatisfaction about what's going on. Well, we're going to think about that and, and kind of explore it because the disciples didn't start off as dissatisfied disciples. And I want to go back to uh, when the disciples were first called. And think about um, how they became dissatisfied. And perhaps to look at some ways in which we can uh, find satisfaction in our discipleship, in our following of Jesus. Because Jesus went out and called them. And uh, amazingly, uh, they followed. 
One of the things that, uh, that happens when Jesus comes into your life, and certainly one of the things that happened to the disciples, is that things change. Things change. Now, I wonder if there's anybody here this morning that likes change. Do you like it when things change? Uh, Tom's already referred to uh, tradition. And uh, the, the, the truth is, we, 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 we might not tradition, and, and we might find all sorts of faults in tradition, but actually most of us, we actually like tradition, because it means we know what's happening or what's going to happen. And uh, we live in a world, don't we, uh, that's always changing. It's changing so fast. Uh, it, at an alarming rate, I, I read some, somebody wrote this about change. He said, he said, I used to put spam on my sandwiches, jam on my toast, and wham on my Walkman, and a Mac on in the rain. Now I get spam. Spam on my Mac, jam on my iPod, and ham on my sandwiches. And wham, well that was so last Christmas. We do live in a world, don't we, that's constantly changing. And uh, you almost feel exhausted trying to keep up with the, with the changes that are happening in, in society. I used to think I was a bit of a computer expert and used to teach my kids, you know, how to use their, their phones and, and, and computers. But they've left me way behind now. Uh, you know what I mean? We just, it's hard, isn't it, to keep up with all the changes. And, uh, and Jesus says when he, when, he, when he starts to preach, he says, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Hey folks, guess what repent means? It means that there is a change that is needed. It means that you have to change in all sorts of ways. And this was Jesus' message. And it wasn't a new message that Jesus was bringing. John the Baptist said exactly the same thing. Uh, when he started to preach, his message was the same. Repent! And uh, he went around baptising people when they saw their repentance in their lives. So this was Jesus' message right at the beginning of his gospel. And when he called people to follow him, he was calling people to repent. To repent. But I know, I know what you're thinking. I don't care how good you all feel. I hate change. I, I, I don't want to change. There's a sense in which you might be satisfied in your dissatisfaction if that's not a contradiction in terms, that you might actually be come to be a place where you're quite satisfied with the fact that you are dissatisfied with your discipleship, that you're not really moving on and growing in your following of Jesus Christ. But at the beginning of your new year, it's a good opportunity for us to, to ask ourselves, you know, where are we? Where are we as individuals? Where are we as a church? We've got that uh, quiet day that, uh, that Marilyn's uh, mentioned. It's a good chance to stop and think and to assess, you know, are we growing as disciples? Uh, have we changed? Or are we the same as we were when we first started in this uh, journey of discipleship? Have we not really moved very far from the, from the starting line? And uh, it's good to think about these and, and, and to examine ourselves and to ask us the question and to be challenged. Of course, there'll be always those people that oppose change and say, oh, it's dangerous if we change things. Uh, people might not like it. Uh, people might get upset. There will always people that will be opposed to change. Uh, you know... Uh, we're constantly wanting to change things and, and, and we, we want to be up to date in, in the way that we present the gospel. We want people to come into church not to feel like they're going back in, in time to something that's no longer relevant. We want people to know that the gospel is irrelevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. And to do that sometimes we have to change our approach and change the way we do things. So dissatisfied disciples need to change otherwise they will stay dissatisfied. But what we're talking about this morning is not loose change. 
you know that loose change that you have in your pockets? Uh, you know, God doesn't want our loose change. I've been, uh, uh, you know, loose change is, is what's left over, isn't it? When, you, when you've spent your money uh, and the change you get when you bought what you want and you have that loose change. And sometimes, if we're, if we're honest, you know, that's what we offer to God, isn't it? Our loose change. I'm not just talking in, in monetary offertories that we give, but with our lives as well. Sometimes it's, it's a case of what's left over when everything else is done. And God isn't looking for loose change in our discipleship, in our following of Him. He wants everything. He wants us to give our whole lives. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. He wants everything. He doesn't want us to hold back. And he certainly doesn't just want our loose change. Discipleship is very costly, if it's going to mean anything. And this idea of repenting, it actually means doing a U-turn. It means turning round and going in a completely different direction. It just isn't, it isn't just that we were a little bit offline and just needed to move a little bit uh, in a different way. We need to totally, we were, we were going, before we met Jesus, we were going in totally the wrong direction. Away from God. And repenting is, is a complete turn around. And so that we're turning towards God. And this was the call that Jesus gave to those disciples to follow him. Was to repent, to turn around and to follow him. And to turn around their lives in their following of him. And not just offer God loose change. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, the uh, the German uh, Christian who was uh, executed during the Second World War wrote this, he said, Cheap grace is the grace we bestow on ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. God doesn't offer us cheap grace. He offers us grace, but it costs something. And uh, each one of us, if we want to be a satisfied disciple, if we want to follow Jesus, then it will cost us something. We need to get the balance right. I've been I've been accused as a as a as a father and as a as a husband of giving my family the leftovers after I've finished working of church, and it makes you stop and think about how you're living your life. And uh, my family don't want the leftovers, but neither does my God want the leftovers. And, uh, you know, if all we're going to offer God is what's left when we've, when we've, when we've, we've spent all our money on what we want and what we've spent all our time doing what we want, then we're not going to offer God very much. And God wants everything from us in our discipleship. So, uh, dissatisfied disciples don't offer loose change to God. Uh, they offer God the first and the best of everything that they have. And, Dissatisfied disciples, uh, it's not going to be overnight change. Hands up who's ever been on a, on a diet. Hands up if you've ever been on, on, on a diet. Yeah? Ever been on a diet? And were you satisfied with the outcomes? Did, it, did, the, did the diet promise? Did it, did it do what it said? You know, uh, lose a dress size or a waist size in, in, in a week. And, and so, many, so many things offer us instant change, don't they? If you just do this, that and the other. And uh, it normally involves drinking some horrible drink uh, instead of eating a proper uh, meal. But anybody knows anything about uh, you know, physical health and, and dietary will know that uh, there isn't a quick fix. 
There wasn't a quick fix. If you want to be healthy, if you want to lose weight, it's a lifestyle choice that you have to make. It's an ongoing thing. It's about eating your five a day, isn't it? It's about exercising properly and having a healthy diet. You know, if you eat at McDonald's every day for your dinner, you're not going to lose weight. Uh, it just it just isn't going to happen, whatever the diets say. So, uh, disciples, and disciples don't change overnight. You know, the moment you become a Christian, you don't suddenly become a, a perfect follower of Jesus. Uh, discipleship is, is not about overnight change, uh, but it is about change. Uh, Rick Warren, in his book, The Purpose Driven Church, says, Discipleship is the process of helping people become more like Christ in their thoughts, feelings and actions. This process begins when a person is born again and continues throughout the rest of their lives. It's a continuing process. Do you remember when you learned to drive the car and you had to put L-plates on the back of the car to warn other people uh, that you were learning to get out of the way or that you might suddenly break or, or you know, swerve in a different direction? You're warning people that you were just learning about driving. And there's a sense in which, as dysfunctional disciples, we ought to have those L-plates on our backs. Because we are learning. And even after 30 years of being a Christian, I am still learning what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And we should never stop learning. We should never stop learning. We should know more about God and be closer to God now than we were when we first started in this adventure of following Jesus. And perhaps part of our dissatisfaction is, it's not really with the church or even with the minister or the people around us. Our dissatisfaction is knowing that like that phrase that some of us used to get on our our books when a teacher handed them back, uh, could have done better. Uh, It's probably how most of us feel if we're honest about our discipleship, about following Jesus, that actually we could have done better. Uh, And we know that in our hearts, don't we? We know that in our hearts. And this uh, series is really to challenge us to to think, well, let's not just think and and say in that moment of dissatisfaction. Let's move together and encourage one another in in our walk with Jesus Christ, in following Jesus. We're not ever going to be perfectly satisfied because, as as we said at the beginning, even the disciples who were with Jesus got got it wrong more often than they got it right. And I don't know about you, but that encourages me. That encourages me to think that people who spent three years living and walking and actually seeing Jesus do these fantastic things uh, still got it wrong. Still messed up big style. Still didn't fully understand what God was doing in Jesus. Lean not on your own understanding. Sometimes we think we've got it all worked out and we think we know exactly what we're doing only to discover that we've not really understood the first base of Christianity and what it means to follow Jesus. So... uh, If you expect overnight change, if you expect all your bad habits to just disappear and and for you never to do anything wrong again, you are going to be dissatisfied in your discipleship. Uh, It does require change, but it's change over a long period of time. We should be getting uh, more like Jesus in the way that we are ourselves and the way that we deal with people. That should be something that happens gradually over our lifetime. We shouldn't be becoming more grumpy and more miserable in our discipleship and following on Jesus. We should be becoming more generous and more life-giving to other people in our following of Jesus. So don't expect overnight change because you'll be uh, dissatisfied. But it also involves a change of direction. This is what repentance is really about. It's about changing direction. Anyone got a sat-nav? 
Uh, I, I've not got a sat-nav, but I've been in the car, you know, when people have sat-navs. And uh, every now and again, you'll get this phrase, you know, uh, at the, the soonest possible time, uh, turn round. Turn round, because in other words, you, you've, you've missed a turning, and you're going completely in the wrong direction. Uh, you know, turn round. It doesn't just say, and, and in our lives, that's what is needed. A complete U-turn. A complete turning around. Uh, and going against the stream of this world. Not following what everyone else is doing. That's what the call to repentance is. It's a change of direction. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Uh, They changed the direction of their lives. Changed their direction. Um, Rob Bell, in his book, uh, Velvet Elvis, he says this, he says, this is strange, isn't it? Why would they just drop their nets? Why would they quit their jobs for some rabbi they had never met? To have a rabbi say, you can be like me. Of course you'd drop your net. The rabbi believes you can do what he does. He thinks you can be like him. That's the challenge, isn't it? That, uh, that Jesus, when he chose his disciples, he broke all the protocol. To begin with, uh, a rabbi wasn't supposed to go out looking for the disciples. They were supposed to come to him with their you know, equivalent of a first century CV and tell the rabbi how great they were and how wonderful they were and what good students they would make. Uh, Jesus went out and chose people who were most unlike the traditional students. For starters, they'd already got their jobs, which meant that they'd failed at some stage in their learning of the Torah. They'd, been, uh, they'd, they'd not been good enough to be uh, a follower of the rabbis because they chose the best of the best of the best. And the people that Jesus chose weren't the best. They were people that in some way or another uh, weren't good enough for other disciples. But he went out and he said, follow me. And the amazing thing is, they dropped their nets and they followed Jesus. You know, um, this change of direction. Um, we were talking last week, if you were with us, you know, about a, a trapeze uh, artist and the need for the trapeze artist to let go. And uh, life without a safety net may appear to be dangerous. But that's what the disciples who were fishermen did. They left their nets behind. They removed the safety net from their lives and decided to follow Jesus. Most of us prefer, uh, especially if we're on a trapeze or, or you know, work, walking on a tightrope, I want a safety net to be there to catch me in case I fall. And guess what, you know, following Jesus uh, means removing some of the safety nets in our lives. What are we holding on to? We talked last week about the need to let go and let God. To let go. And the fishermen let go of their nets. They let go of the Andrew and and, and Peter and and Simon. Uh, They not only left their their nets, they left their jobs, they left their families and they followed Jesus. Do you know, if if I'm honest, when I I gave out these follow me uh, invitations, I didn't actually expect all 12 people to follow me. I thought some people would just stay in their seats. I wasn't expected. I I was totally thrown by the fact that, that all the 12 people got up out of the seats and followed me. Because... That wasn't what I was expecting to happen. Why would they? If, you, if you've got a thing saying, follow me, you'd, you'd probably be suspicious if you know me. I'm going to lead you somewhere astray. Or make you look silly or make a fool of you or something. And yet all those people, they left something behind, didn't they? They got out of, they had to get out of the chairs to start with. They could have stayed in the chairs. There's nothing that said, you have to do this. It was a voluntary thing. It might not have felt like it, but it was. It's a voluntary thing. But they left their, net, their, their chairs behind, the safety net, and they got out. They didn't know where they were going. 
And the disciples, when Jesus first called them, they had no idea what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. They had no idea uh, what, what, what was in store for them. They had no idea what was going to happen to Jesus. Uh, but they followed him. And this is what following Jesus is like. We don't know. There's no guarantees. But if we step out in faith and, and leave the safety nets behind, uh, everything doesn't always turn out as we would hope, but this is what it is means to follow God. And I'm really grateful, you know, that Susanna shared that, because so often we think, you know, that answered prayer means that everything turns out all right. And as we were saying last week, you know, stress, paths being made straight means that there's a lot of twists and things that need sorting out on the way to those straight paths being made. And that's what most of our lives are like. Uh, and so a change of direction is what is required. And that change of direction means changing our minds. It means changing our minds. Hey, guess what? I don't believe the same things about God that I did 20 years ago. I keep all my sermons. How sad is that? Do you know? If you go into my office, you will see uh, binders. One church secretary I had was really organised. And it was her that kind of started it. It's not as organised now as it was then. But all my sermons are in binders. How sad is that? And it's interesting sometimes to look back at the sermons that you preached, you know, 10, 20 years ago. And to be honest, some of them I wouldn't preach now. Because I no longer hold or believe to the things that I believed then. Why? Because I've changed. Because I've grown. Because I've experienced uh, life. And I've experienced more of God. And of course, when you first start out, you think you know everything. But you actually you don't. And now I realise there's more that I don't know than I do know uh, about God because there's so many new things to learn. I want that L plate on my back. I want people to know that I'm still learning. And that's a bit dangerous because I might get it wrong. But hey, that's what it means. It means taking risks. It means taking chances. Uh, We're all learning. Change our minds. Um, Sorry, that shouldn't say not overnight change. It should change your minds. But hey, uh, Alex Ferguson... Uh, there's been some changes at his football club. I'm reading his autobiography. Somebody bought it me for Christmas. And he talks about a conversation that he has with Roy Keane. Uh, they fell out and he said, When we were embroiled in a, an argument once, Roy said to me, You've changed. I replied, Roy, I will have changed because today's not yesterday. It's a different world we're in now. You say I've changed. I hope I have. I would never have survived if I hadn't changed. Uh, in football management, you have to change to survive. Hey, guess what, folks? In following Jesus, uh, you have to change to survive. If we still believe exactly what we believed about God when we first came to Christ, it means we've not grown in our discipleship, we've not learned anything new. God can't possibly reveal everything to us. We simply accept Jesus into our lives and we go on this journey, we get on this bus, on this train, that we don't really know where it's going. And God reveals more and more of himself to us as we follow him. But we don't know everything. We can't possibly know everything. And if, we still, if we're still believing the same things about God that we did 20 years ago, then we need to be challenged about that. We need to think, well, have you studied the Bible? Have you read things? Have you experienced things? Have you grappled with scripture? Because otherwise we're saying that we know everything and we completely understand God. And that's actually quite arrogant. I've met lots of people who think they know exactly what God is about and what God is doing. And without realising it, they don't realise it, but, but they talk as if they've got a hotline to God. And uh, what they say and what God wants and what God says is there's not much difference in between the two. Uh, your job on a Sunday morning isn't just to listen and accept what I say. Your job is to be discerning and to, to sift out the things that I say, what's from God and what's from Richard. 
Because some of it will just be, you know, leftovers. Uh, but there might be some gems in there that are actually from God speaking to us. And we know when God's speaking to us, don't we? We do know, as, as we grow in our discipleship, we recognise when God's speaking to us. Because I don't know about you, but my heart starts to beat faster. And something kind of physically happens to me when I, when I sense that God is speaking into my life. I recognise it. Uh, choosing the text for the year, it's always a, a challenging thing for me. But I, I kind of know when I found the text. I, I just know because the text won't go away. And uh, it is a kind of, it, it is something that I, I, I really sense that God lays on my heart, a particular text for a particular year. And I search until I found it, and, uh, and that takes time. But I know in my heart when this is the text, because any other text just doesn't seem right. And, uh, and so change, uh, it's a change of mind, it's a change of behaviour. We have to change our behaviour, the, the, the way we act. The, the way we respond to people. What we see in the, the early followers of Jesus is people that, that behaviour needs to be changed. Uh, Peter, he was always the one that if, if something needs sorted out, he, he, he might rely on his fists or his sword or something because that's the way he lived. And Jesus had to gradually uh, help him to be able to understand that if you're going to follow me, that's not the way we do things. Uh, we don't get into fifty cuff with people. We don't we don't chop people's ears off uh, in, in, in in my kingdom. We do we do things slightly different. That's the way the world reacts. You know, if somebody rubs you up the wrong way, you punch them, uh, or you trample over people, and that's not the way of the kingdom. Remember, Jesus says, "Repent, repent, for the kingdom of God is near." He's about bringing in this kingdom, which is completely different than the kingdom of the world, and so it requires a change of behaviour. That's what happened to Saul. Uh, he even changed his name to Paul. There was such a transformation that took place in his life. He went from persecuting Christians and standing by while they were being executed to trying to persuade people to follow Jesus. It was a complete U-turn on the road to Damascus that Paul experienced a repentance in his life. He had to admit that he had got it wrong. Paul was a learned man. He was a Pharisee. How difficult must that have been to actually admit, hey, I've got it wrong, such big style. I was persecuting and actually killing these followers of Jesus that now have become one. If that's not a, a, a sign and a, an example of somebody that's repentant, someone that's done a complete U-turn, I don't know what is. But that's what's required in our lives. And so that we can stop being dissatisfied. And then, of course, there's not just an inward change, but an outward change. Because the disciples were called to change the world. This is the big picture stuff, folks. Can you imagine those 12 people, you know, in a backwater in Galilee, when Jesus says to them, you know, you guys are going to change the world. They would have laughed. They wouldn't have believed it. But hey, guess what? Those 12 people that decided to follow Jesus have actually changed the world. It's taken a while. It didn't happen overnight. Um, But that's what they did. They changed the world that they were living in. And uh, they reached out into the world. So at the end of Matthew's Gospel, we're going to be spending time in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus says to disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. And whenever I read that, I think, yeah, and that's us. We've been made disciples because those first disciples decided to follow Jesus and to respond to that call to follow him and take the risk and the danger and the excitement of going on that journey that here we are today, sat in Lum Baptist Church in 2014, uh, hearing that same call, that same challenge to change the world that we live in. 
And it might sound ridiculous, but we've heard one story from Tom about somebody's life that's been changed just because we we went and, and delivered a calendar to their house. Imagine what we could do if we really took this discipleship business seriously. Uh, yes, at times we do feel dissatisfied with what's going on. And uh, we, we, we can choose, can't we? We can either stay on the same path and decide, well, we're not going to change because we're quite comfortable with the way that we are. Or we can make that U-turn. We can repent of our dissatisfaction. And we can say to God, here I am. I'm willing to follow I've heard that call to follow you and I'm going to get out of my chair. I'm going to leave the safety nets behind and I'm going to follow you wherever that leads and whatever that means. And so it's not loose change that God is looking for. It's not overnight change that is going to happen. Uh, But it's a a change of mind. It's a change of behaviour. And it's a change in the world that we live in and in the world as it is now. So let's be a people of change. Let's be people who, whilst dissatisfied with the way things are, are determined that we're going to try even harder in our following of Jesus.